Konnichiwa minasan. Kirk here from jamaipanese.com. Welcome to the long overdue episode 6 of the JA podcast, being recorded on the 8th of January 2017. In the last episode, I did an interview with Rochelle Brooks Mighty, a Jamaican living in and working in Toyoma, Japan, as a jet participant. The interview was super popular, and I decided to build on what the listeners apparently liked. So today, I have with me another special and interesting guest, Ayana Wise. Ayana is an American living and working in Japan. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Ayana about her experiences in Japan, and I hope this insight will be useful to you, my lovely listeners. Episode 6 of the JA Podcast begins now. Welcome, Ayana. Thank you for joining me today on the JA Podcast. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Ayana is a young professional who resides in Japan. And today on the, on the episode 6 of the JA Podcast, we'll be finding out all about her. So, Ayana, how, have you, how long have you resided in Japan? And have you lived in the same area all that time? Uh, well, I've been in Japan for, it'll be six years in March, and I've only lived in Osaka, and, but I've moved about two times, and the first time I moved was like 10 minutes away from my last apartment, which was in North Osaka, and then um, just recently I moved to the city uh, more south, but not like south-south Osaka, but more like central in the city, uh, just Recently in November, yeah, November. Nice, nice. And what was that moving experience like the last time? <sighs> well, I think the first time I moved, I had a lot of help. I had one of my coworkers help me. And again, it was only 10 minutes away. So I I didn't have a lot of stuff as well. It was like two, two and a half years of being in Japan. I moved because I quit my first job that had my apartment, like, their, it was their apartment, basically. So if I quit the job, I had to leave that apartment. So then I found a new apartment with like a regular, um, how do you say, real estate agent with my Japanese coworker. And then um, I moved the little stuff that I had 10 minutes away from my old apartment. And I didn't have a lot because the apartment, the first apartment I had was furnished so I didn't have to buy any of that stuff, like a fridge, desk, and all that stuff. And it was really small. So um, it was very easy. And then I had another friend, another Japanese friend who had a van. And I just put all my stuff in there, drove 10 minutes away. Well, not even 10 minutes by car. It was 10 minutes by walk wow. uh, on foot. Yeah. So it was 10 minutes on foot. And then um, so driving there was like a lot less in time. But it was... That, that apartment was like on the third floor, no elevator. It was kind of like a house, but it was still an apartment. So that was like the only um, kind of tricky part. But other than that, um, that move was easy. But this move recently, I did mainly by myself into a bigger place, but farther away, kind of like by train, it was an hour and some change. Wow. Ayana to be yeah. the, the adult doing it by herself. Right. It's like I'm this type of person that likes to be independent and I want to try things on my own at first. And I I don't like asking for help uh, generally, but I know when I need to ask for help. So I do. But for the most part, I just want to do a lot of it on my own. But it was just so stressful. And I did get some help from my uh, current coworkers. But in the end, I did a lot of it on my own. And I was just like, oh, my God, never again. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. That's, it's, I, I've heard horror stories of um, foreigners in Japan and having to move um, mostly prefectures from prefecture to prefecture. But I know it's expensive for the moving vans and other little stuff that you have to consider, like getting rid of large appliances and all that, all that jazz. So good job. Oh uh, yeah, it it is. And the good thing about like knowing a lot of foreigners is that you can get a lot of stuff for 
like free, like, or discounted. Like there's a Facebook group called Osaka Sayonara Sales. There's also other locations that have Sayonara Sales on Facebook. So like if you join those groups, you can find something cheap. Like let's say um, my apartment didn't have a stove and I needed one, right? And luckily, when I was looking, I was like trying to look for cheap ones. But luckily, my friend knew somebody who was selling it for real cheap, like 3,000 yen, which is like $30, US $30. And usually those stoves cost like uh, over a hundred something dollars or $200. So I was like, mm, I got a $30 stove. <laughs> so um, was it hard to settle in Japan though? You know, like to meet new people, get comfortable in your job, community, um, etc.? Uh, I think the first year was a little difficult for me. I really didn't have many friends and I was trying to be like this new person. Like, yeah, I'm not this old person anymore. I'm not from this like United States. Like I'm, I hate <laughs> America. Like, I mean, I still don't really like my home country, like political wise, but um, for the most part, I was trying to be like this person that I wasn't. And uh, I think after I like put my guard down and, try to meet more different types of people. Cause I, I at first was hanging out with my co-trainees, uh, this Australian guy, this New Zealand girl, and then I guess other people in my company, but it's like, they weren't really my kind of people I wanted to hang out with, but I still did it anyway, cause I didn't know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the New Zealand girl, I, I still like kind of not really talked to, but keep in contact via like Instagram and Facebook. So I'm supposed to visit her someday. <laughs> <laughs> do it. I do want to visit New Zealand, like for real. But uh, yeah, like the first couple years was a bit hard. And um, I think on the second year, I decided to just stop being, I don't know, weird. And, <laughs> <laughs> and always home because I'm very social to be, like naturally so I went to this bar that the Australian co-trainee took me to once and he's like yeah they have reggae night on Fridays um and there's this one cute bartender uh this Japanese guy with dreads I was like oh okay I'm just gonna go to this bar on Fridays um until I make some new friends <laughs> and I did <laughs> I eventually did <laughs> I hung out with all these Japanese people who like reggae and they invited me to groups, uh, not groups, events, like um, outdoor events or like even some parties on the weekends. And that's just how I met a lot of my uh, Japanese friends. <laughs> okay, so is this like um, Japanese reggae or uh, reggae from Jamaica or a mixture? It was a mixture, but mainly these Japanese people that I were hanging out with, they liked uh they like Jamaican reggae they didn't really play they didn't play because it was like those friends were DJs so they played original reggae and dancehall um but mostly reggae not so much dancehall and the thing about me is that I grew up with soca because my family's from Grenada and um and reggae but as a teenager I was so like cool with dancehall and dancing the dancehall and like Sean Paul and all that type of stuff. <laughs> so like coming here, it's like, oh, Japanese people who like things that are from my culture. That's awesome. But it's just like the events eventually I got tired of because they just played slow reggae. And I'm just like, I need to dance. I don't need to chill. <laughs> you want to gyrate your body. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> But yeah, they, they were good friends to have, but um, they weren't really close. Like, I couldn't really have deep conversations with them. It was just mainly hanging out with them. So it only lasted like a good two and a half years, probably. So I don't really hang out with them that much anymore, but we still are connected via like, Facebook and Instagram. All right. So what's the best part you would say about living in Japan? Um... I, I like traveling around easily. Uh, I don't drive here in Japan and like getting a license is like 
we say mendoksai in Japanese, um, <laughs> is a very annoying, basically. It's, it's also very expensive. Um, so getting around VI, the train, subway, and even the Shinkansen, the bullet train, Yes, is I'm a, I'm a very, big Shinkansen fan. <laughs> right, it's very, very convenient. Like, um, for example, um, J- January 1st, I went to Issei Shrine, and that's in Mie Prefecture. I live in Osaka Prefecture, and it's like a good two and a half hour train ride. I had decided like the night before, like, eh, I'm going to go to Issei. Like, you can't do that if you're like going to take the airplane <laughs> or like <laughs> something else, like where you have to actually plan uh, properly for it. Like you can just hop on a train and just like, I'm going to go take a day trip somewhere far. Um, so yeah, that was one thing. And then like, I did take a five day trip to, uh, well, from Osaka to Fukuoka in 2012. Fukuoka and, is up north? Um, that's not north. That would be more south okay. or southwest. You okay. know how like Japan is like not really like, yeah not really like, straight it's like <laughs> yeah what continue but yeah so like it was really fun um but it was an experience because I tried to like travel solo I wanted to like experience traveling alone and in 2012 I my Japanese level wasn't at the level it is now like especially with understanding and so I was like really really nervous about traveling alone. But it's like, you know what? They're trains. The trains are, they're, they're easy to take. And I understand a little bit of Japanese, so I'm just going to go. And I, ha- I didn't, like, plan thoroughly. I was like, I loosely planned, like, okay, I'm going to go here and here and here. So I first went to Himeji uh, to see the castle. But at that time, it was under construction. So I didn't really get to see the castle fully. Um, but I did get to see the quarters, like the women's quarters and the grounds. And then after, like, spending maybe three hours there, I went to Hiroshima. And all this was on, like, local trains or express trains. I'm not really sure. Um, my memory kind of fails me there. But it, I know it took a longer time than it would if it was a Shinkansen. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Hiroshima, and while I was on the train, I had internet to book a hostel while I was on the train. <laughs> Ayana the planner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know, planning as I go. <laughs> so I booked that and then I reached there around maybe six or seven and I went to the hostel in Hiroshima, stayed there for two nights. And then like the next day I went around Hiroshima castle. I went to the, the, what is it? Genpaku. The dome, I, I right now can't like remember the name of it, but basically the structure that is survived the nuclear bomb, uh, yeah, that and the museum as well. And oh my God, the museum was so heavy and I cried at the end. Uh, but it was definitely something that I'm glad that I experienced to see like how resilient this country is. And um, yeah, I enjoyed Hiroshima. And I did make a, a temporary friend because like hostels, you meet like all kinds of people. And that was my first time ever, ever being in a hostel. So I, I uh, went to the museum with one of the people that I met at the hostel. Like it was kind of like, hey, you're, you know, we met at the hostel. What are you doing now? Oh, let's go to the museum. And we just yeah. went together. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um Yeah. As it relates to the, the heavy museum, I actually recently came back from my trip to New York and I went to um, the Native American Museum in New York and that was that was quite heavy. I didn't quite cry, but I was like, I had to like get out of there when I, you know, realized that these people had, you know, such detailed culture and, and um, you know, family values, etc. And, you know, we all yeah. know what happened um, with, with, with that in the States and it's probably still happening today. Right, um, right. And I also enjoyed my little whirlwind tour of Japan. Um, and that's how I met you in 2011, when I just kind of hopped on a train, just like you, <laughs> early each morning and just like went into a different direction. I didn't do, yeah. I didn't do many sleepovers, but um, it was interesting to just like get up at 6 a.m. and just 
go somewhere. But you have that pass. Like, I can't get that because I live in Japan. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, you have this pass. You can take any JR, any Shinkansen. You can go from Fukuoka to Hokkaido if you wanted to. I'm yep. like, oh, my God, I want that pass. But no, you can only get it from outside Japan as a tourist. Yep, yep. And they check your passport <laughs> and all that jazz. But... Yeah, it, 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 it was fun, and I hope that in 2017 you, you know, have more adventures in Japan and maybe go visit your friend in New Zealand. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know about the New Zealand trip. I do have other trips in the works, like I'm planning um, right now, but I think New Zealand, if I seriously tried to, like, save up for it, it would be next year. So we've heard about the good things about living in Japan and your travels a little bit. Um, what's what's the most difficult part of living in Japan? Uh, well, I mean, I mentioned earlier about my move. But basically, anything that's very important that could be like, you know, getting a phone contract, banking, medical, uh, again, moving, or just rules, like maybe like, some certain laws that you might not know of, like bicycle laws. I don't know. It's just like getting in, getting in trouble is, or ah, one time I lost my wallet <laughs> trying to like talk to the police about finding my wallet. I couldn't do by myself. So like I said, I am generally like an independent, independent person. Um, so when it comes to like, oh, okay, something very important, I don't like not understanding everything. So that frustrates me. I can't do it by myself. <laughs> so I have to like see uh, if like a friend or a coworker who can help me has the time to help me um, at the same time that I can go to like these certain things, like maybe medical checkup or going to the bank and stuff like that. So if they their schedule doesn't match with mine, it's like, okay, I have to wait longer to get something done. Where if I knew Japanese like 100%, I mean, <laughs> I don't think it'll ever be 100%, but if I knew very well how to speak and, and understand Japanese, then I can just do it myself whenever I feel like it. So that's like the most difficult thing for me. It's just very frustrating. And I just wish that I could just like input the language <laughs> I have, like in the matrix. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that, 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 I, I can understand how that can be difficult, you know. Um, I, you know, I like I would, my one of my fears if I would lived in Japan would probably be getting sick, <laughs> you know. And oh, yes, that's another thing. Oh, I did get sick one time really bad, um, mm -hmm. two, uh, a year and a half ago. It was so bad. And I've, I had never been to the hospital until then. And um, that was, what, 2015 in September. I had a fever for a good four days until I actually went to the hospital. And luckily, I have a friend who speaks very well in, in, um, Jap in English. And uh, she had been living in Arizona for a while and she came back to Japan just to visit for like a couple of months or yeah for a couple of months and it was just the timing that she was there she could drive me there like she took care of me she's like Ayana you're still sick what's wrong with you go to the hospital I'm like oh, I'm gonna be fine <laughs> <laughs> but like day four I'm like my fever is still this high and they're like all right Ayana, we have to go to the hospital i'm like okay i guess <laughs> and i was just so annoyed because it was during a national holiday weekend mm -hmm. so going to the hospital was more expensive and on a holiday? i did on a holiday just because I it's a holiday yes it's ridiculous oh my god <laughs> i thought hospitals anyway <laughs> yeah yes, exactly anyway so um at the time i didn't have a full-time job and i didn't have insurance um and i didn't get the national insurance that i'm supposed to get when you don't have insurance from your full-time job mm -hmm. yeah so um i had to go there with no insurance and sick as a dog and pay hundreds of thousands of yen 
Uh, it was 30,000 yen, okay. which is like, it's like 300 something dollars. Cause only the emergency room was open too, because the hospital is pretty much closed because mm-hmm. it was a holiday. And I went, I think at night as well. So it was just annoying because I saw the doctor, the doctor's like, well, if you take this medicine, you should be fine. I'm like, that's it. <laughs> $300 please. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm a baby when I'm sick. <laughs> I'm not apologetic about that. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm living alone in Japan, and I'm sick. I don't know how I'd manage, but hopefully, I when I eventually get there, I will hopefully not get too sick and have someone to help me out when needed. You know, it's like I'm very stubborn when it comes to being sick. I was like, I'm not sick. <clears throat> I'm not sick. I'll be fine tomorrow. I just need to stay in bed. But then when I'm really, really sick, I'm like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Yep. There's nobody to help me. I should be fine tomorrow. And then I'm not fine the next day. So it's like, oh, I'll be fine the next day. And I'm not fine. So it's like, all right, I guess um, I, I should go to the hospital. Sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what? I came to Japan 2011, and my first experience going to the hospital is 2015. So. <laughs> so did you get that insurance now? Just asking? Oh, I mean, I have it now. Awesome, With my awesome. job now, yeah, I'm I'm fine. Uh, I didn't explain my job now because I, yeah. I don't teach English. <laughs> you don't teach English anymore? Okay. No, not in a school, not in like the school setting anymore. I'm still working in English education industry in Japan, but with what I do now is I write or I type basically scripts for educational English video lessons for jukus, or I guess, you know, those after-school programs for kids uh, that are in elementary school. So elementary is what? Nine to 13. I believe so. So I guess primary school in a sense. Yeah. For us. Yeah. So, yeah, I write those scripts, and then I also am in the videos that we record in Tokyo. So Awesome. Ayana, the, the model. Superstar. Uh, little <laughs> actor. I don't know. I mean, I write them. I was like, okay. And it's very simple. It's nothing complex. It's not like one of those kid shows you see on TV. It's like, this is a video lesson. <laughs> yeah. But um, I know you started out in English, um, teaching English, and I know you te- you taught at a um, kindergarten, was it? Yeah, well, so if you want to go through my resume in Japan, mm-hmm. I started with Eon, uh, which is fine to say, and Eikaiwa, or English Conversation School. I did that for two years and like three months. Mm-hmm. Then I quit it to just do dispatch teaching with them, and that was basically part-time for the most part. I did that for like seven months, but it was really, really hard because I wasn't getting the contracts that I thought I would get. So I didn't get the same amount of money as I was getting before. So I was like broke for a lot of the time, especially <laughs> towards the end where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and then I uh, signed up for this thing called Hello Work, whereas you sign up and they, it's like a basically employment agency. And they had given me an invitation for an interview for uh, kindergarten. And I had never taught like kids that young, but the owners, it was like a brand new school too. They really liked my, my uh, demo lesson and my interview, I guess. And so they hired me. So I did that for a year. Then I had to leave that job due to some drama which is like a whole other story. It's like another long story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I left that job to do the dispatch teaching again. And then also um, part-time work in a different kindergarten. And I did that for a good 10 months. Until, until then, I, uh, yeah, I was doing a lot of part-time or off-the-record type jobs, like teaching jobs. So it was like dispatch teaching and the kindergarten was my official jobs. So when I had to do like taxes, like those jobs were on that. Uh, but then I did other extra jobs just so I can pay for like things that are essential. So I was just very, very busy. I was basically working full time, but doing part time stuff. Wow. Must have been challenging at that time, but you're, you've moved up the ladder now. And now yeah. you're a 
what actress slash English script <laughs> writer. <laughs> well, before I get to that, it's mm -hmm. like I did that for 10 months and then I was like, okay, I want to teach full time again for kids. Okay. I found this really cool company that like on paper it seemed really cool and actually the other schools that I visited were cool, but the school that I was positioned in was not and wow. the manager was a bit crazy and just not fitting for me at all so i only lasted there for four months but luckily i found the job that i have now and that was that started this year in july so last yeah, year in I'm july <laughs> it's january <laughs> oh, sorry. Not yep. this year. It's, it's january 2017 <laughs> So yeah, last year in July is when I started the job. So yeah, I haven't been there that long, but I mean, for the most part, it's longer than four months. I'm I'm good. <laughs> that's better than it's. You say it's the best of your job so far. I would say yes, yes. It's it's the best in the sense that I have a lot more freedom. I can do, you know, my job and my time. It's because I'm writing scripts. It's like okay. Your, your deadline's here, so you just have to make sure you get everything done for that deadline. And then I would go to Tokyo, which is a perk. Like, the interview I had is like, you know, some people don't want this job because they have to go to Tokyo. I'm like, for me, this is a perk. Like, I have friends in Tokyo. I want to go to Tokyo just so I can see my friends. I don't, I don't really care for Tokyo because I'm a Kansai person at heart. Mm -hmm. But it's just like I have friends in Tokyo and there's like events sometimes that I want to go to in Tokyo. So it's like, what? That's a perk. Like, let me take this job. <laughs> and, um, and it's like another, I guess, good thing about it is um, that it does pay more than teaching. Um, it kind of sucks that teaching can be so low in Japan. I think because it's become watered down over the years, though, and especially with Tokyo 2020 coming up, people thought yeah. the the salaries would rise, but it looks like they're like watering down it's, more. It's it's it, it was stagnant for the longest time, and like like you said, now it's just watered down. And I just kind of feel for my fellow friends who are still in the teaching industry because they're not they do a lot of work and they don't get a lot of pay. I mean, there's some companies that, that you know, pay their employees um, pretty well, but I think for the most part, it's not that great. So that's why there's a stigma when it comes to like, oh, you just teach English, right? Yep. It's so annoying. Like, I respect the people who do it for a long time, but I feel like you shouldn't do it for too long because there is a cap. If you do it for more than, I think, five years, it's like, you you need to do something else. It's, it's like, if you do it for longer than five years, no, that's your thing. I'm not going to judge you, but for the most part, I'm thinking, why? You could do so much more. <laughs> yep, yep. Some people that I've met, um, Jamaicans and otherwise, some of them really have a passion for teaching. Um, you know, they, they, grew, they went to school and studied teaching and some of them were teachers back in their home countries before going to Japan. So I, I can understand somewhat with those people. But then there are others who really don't like teaching. Um, they're just in it because that's the only job that they can get. So they kind of like slug it out. But they don't try to do anything else. I, I don't know. Well, I definitely understand the real teachers. Uh, so I, I mean, again, I'm not judging anybody who stays that long um but if you're like one of my close friends and i see potential in you to do more i would try to encourage you to do something different but um for the people that i know who are real teachers um this is one girl she was in the same company as me for a minute but she quit before me because she's a real teacher and she's like this job sucks like these this company and these people that I'm working with do not really care about these children and what they're teaching the kids is wrong. So, you know, she she's been like job hopping a lot because she wants to teach the way she wants to teach. So it's a bit hard for her because she has this experience and, you know, a passion to teach kids, but is limiting limited, sorry, for teachers like her to be teaching in Japan. So, yep, interesting. So, I mean, just the mm -hmm. English industry 
in Japan in general is limited or limiting because like for me still I have to follow certain rules because the government has guidelines. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to like make this script to sound more natural than usual, but my coworker's like, um, is it okay if we cut down, make the sentence shorter? It's like this grammar allows for a longer sentence or it just sounds like crap. And they're like, but they didn't learn this grammar yet. So it's like, you have to cut it down. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, the challenges. It's it will be interesting yeah. to see how things develop going coming up to Tokyo twenty twenty. I'm mm-hmm. hoping things improve. Um, I'm hoping you know per, people can get um, better paid and more jobs. But let's let's see how how that develops. Yeah, I mean it's it's it can be very complicated because uh, on the side of the Japanese companies, like they probably encounter a lot of flaky people who come to Japan because like oh I just want to live in Japan and have fun and then the job, um, even though like they, they do the interviews, they still somehow get people that are flaky. While there are real foreigners, not real foreigners, but the foreigners <laughs> who stay here for a long time who are reliable but still have to deal with the other flaky foreigners that give them like this bad, bad rep. Yep. Yeah. So it's like they can't get anything very good and substantial because of the foreigners that just leave the country for whenever and are flaky. So, do you have any advice, now that we've spoken about work and stuff, do you have any advice for other young professionals aiming to move to Japan in the near future? If you're coming out of college and you've never worked before, I think you need to do a lot of research (laughs) (laughs) or maybe try to work in your home country a little bit before you come here because um, I... I don't like seeing foreigners come here and be like, oh, you know, um, this is my first job and they just come here to fool around. I think that's that's pretty crappy for them and the company as well. It's like, come on and just just if you're going to work, work. Um, But other than that, like if you are already like work minded, that's fine. But still do research about Japan itself, because um, you might still have this thought in your mind that. Japan is just some magical place (laughs) (laughs) of like rainbows and sunshine all the time and like manga and anime and like cosplay. (laughs) Japan is so normal outside of that. That's like a a tiny minuscule part of Japan, you know? It is such a subculture that when you come to Japan, you're like, oh, where is all of this? Like, dude, (laughs) it's like in... Like I'm saying Amemura, not Amemura, it's Osaka. It's Akihabara or mm-hmm. or some other place in Tokyo. Or if you go to Osaka, it's in Nipponbashi. Like it's such a small subculture. Uh, it's probably bigger on the internet. <laughs> but when you're in real life, Japan, it's not like that um, at all. I mean, there there's like conventions and cosplay stuff, uh, events and all this stuff around. It's just you're going to have to look that up. And yeah, just do a lot of research and ask around, ask people or join groups on Facebook. That's another thing. Um, like there's this group called Black Women in Japan that I joined, but I joined after I came to Japan. So some people who've never moved to Japan join. And there's also Blacks in Japan, or even if they're not Black, you could join other like foreigners in Japan groups or Tokyo professionals and stuff like that, where you can just ask people about life in Japan. Uh, as a foreigner before you come here so you can get an idea i mean there's going to be a lot of people who have like negative views <laughs> and there's going to be this super super positive people mm-hmm. i think just you know take it as a grain of salt just like get as much information as you can from both sides and see like oh okay maybe this is good for me maybe i want to move in this area or in this area just do a lot of research <laughs> Yeah, the, the the bit about anime bunnies and and sunshine was hilarious because <laughs> there are people like that, and I would admit that there was a point early in my like like my interest in Japan, you know, came from reading, you know, um, about mm-hmm. World War Two and all that sad stuff. But when I realized that 
you know, this country that was like bomb to smithereens was so creative yeah. and, and stuff. And I grew up with the Dragon Ball Z's and the Sailor Moons and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah but you have to realize that, as you said, it's just a little subculture. And, um, yeah. you know, people go to work every day. People have stuff to do and it's not some magical wonderland. I think one thing that helped me a lot was watching Japanese dramas um, with at the time with English subtitles, but seeing like real life Japanese people like do things mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of watching anime and manga was like a lot better for me than I think some other people because like I know TV isn't gonna be a hundred percent accurate in America, so it's like okay, this is how. Uh, some of it is portrayed in Japan. So, of course, I didn't think, oh, all of this is going to happen in Japan. But I was like, I got a good idea of how Japanese people are in Japan just from the dramas alone. Um, but because it's a drama, that means there's going to be drama. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> yep, it's a drama. <laughs> all that stuff you might see might not happen, and it might happen, actually. I did have a lot of drama-filled stuff happened to me in work-related situations. But I don't think it was the same as the stuff that I saw on the TV. But other than that, I've dealt with it. And, um, yeah. So did you (laughs) visit Japan before moving to Japan? I wish, but no, I did not. I just took the risk and jumped on a plane and like, bye! (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's like, Ayana, you're so brave. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just going to another country. I had no idea that was something to be brave about, to be honest. I was like, huh? Okay. <laughs> That's one of the things, think- though, that being American um, is advantageous because you guys can, you know, from a lot of countries, you guys can just do that. While some other countries, it's a little bit more complicated to get permits and visas yeah. and all that jazz. I mean, that's true, but I think for me growing up, I had um, gone to Grenada many times as a kid. There's actually one summer where my family left me behind for um, almost a month, and I stayed in Grenada with friends, family friends, um, and my grandmother for those three weeks that I was there. Um, And then I went home. I felt like I was by myself, but I was with a family friend. Although I don't think I remember that person anymore, and I don't think I was that close to them, but I was like, I'm just living the life by myself as a like 11 year old, just in another country. So I had that experience already, um, and although I was a bit nervous uh, going to Japan by myself, I was more excited, and I did have a company to, you know, I guess fall back on, like to be safe. I, although it was a, a risk, I had a job lined up and they had a place for me to live. There are some people who I know that I've met in Japan who would come to Japan with nothing, no job, no nothing. And just like, oh, I'm just here. I'm just living in hostel, you know, jumping from this place to this place. And then they find a full time job. I'm like, huh? How did you do that? <laughs> That to me is a bigger risk, and that's brave. Uh, that's not to brave. That's <laughs> more brave. <laughs> I agree that you were brave in in some sense. Um, my my 2011 trip to Japan was was kind of me testing the waters to see if I really wanna to do this sometime in the future. You know, because as you you said, you know, sometimes you you think it's so perfect that you know I'm gonna live and I'm gonna be happy and blah blah blah, but then you you get into drama with co-workers or neighbors or you know other kind of issues that become unbearable and there you know you've saved all your money or, and you've you're halfway around the world and now it's not what you expected it to be so yeah, yeah. i think you were brave i'll agree to, to to do that but you did yeah ensure that you had the basics covered you know you weren't living on the streets and you actually had a job (laughs) (laughs) yes and I stuck with that one job for two years and three months and I think after the first year I was like oh I was so over it because all of my good co-workers that became friends were leaving because we had gotten a new manager who was just like running all the Japanese staff away. I'm like, what are you doing? You're making the school like terrible. It was good for a good two years before I was there. 
Um, that's what they were telling me. But this, she was ruining the school and is ruining it for me. But they became good friends with me, uh, the coworkers that left, and I still keep in contact with them. So it's it worked out. All right. It's the start of a new year. Um, Yay! What are some <laughs> of the Japan-related goals you have for 2017, Ayana? <laughs> so when you mean Japan-related, do you mean like, <laughs> language or yeah. work like <laughs> do you plan to learn more japanese do you plan to travel more around japan you know stuff like that actually actually yes i had decided to travel around japan more it's funny that as an i guess expat i can call myself for six years i haven't really traveled around japan as much as i thought i would when i first came here so the first year I traveled around Kansai and I saw a lot of Kansai and then I've I've seen Fukuoka twice. I've seen I've been seen, I've been. I've been to like Nagoya, that's still kind of around me. I've been to Tokyo many times and I even been to what is it? Uh is it Gifu? I've been to Gifu. I know not Gifu. What is it? Nagano okay. for snowboarding. Yeah. And um, I haven't been anywhere else outside of that. So it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, Hiroshima as well. But it's just like, I feel like I'm missing out on other beautiful uh, scenic areas of Japan. So I, I made a New Year's resolution. Is it a resolution? Yep, yep it is. Goal? Cool. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> to visit different areas for like weekend trips in Japan. Um, something that I could do for a day or two days. Um, so I went to Issei, which I've never been to. I said for January 1st. And again, that was just a two and a half hour train ride. So I was like, why not go out more of Osaka? It's like, I'm working, working all the time, like in not seeing places like what that's boring. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that more and just travel more in general. So I, I'm hoping that I can go to Thailand this year and South Korea. Every Everybody that I've known, um, that I've met, like other foreigners, have visited South Korea and they love it there. So I was like, I guess I can visit. I didn't really have an interest, but one of my friends just moved there recently. So now I want to go. And yeah, other than travel, I do want to start studying and practicing speaking Japanese again because I had not been speaking for over a year but you had a youtube <laughs> channel and and all that jazz um where you yeah. would, you'd be speaking japanese and practicing and stuff you should do that again i try <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about making videos in japanese but um definitely will try to meet up with more japanese people to speak mm -hmm. um and to like actually maybe get a um a tutor again because I, I do have, or I have been thinking of starting a business um, that I could do in Japan as well. And I think ha being able to speak and understand Japanese, even in a a higher conversation level, is more beneficial than not uh, having it, with, especially if I'm starting a business. I would like to get into the level of business Japanese, but if I don't even get there, I just want to get into the level where I can uh, understand like 80 percent of what people are saying to me <laughs> understandable like um my japanese is of course terrible <laughs> i did um, <laughs> studying many moons ago that's the original reason for my blog at jamaipanese.com but then when i visited japan and i thought oh my god i know directions and color <laughs> and how much is it and my name and all that stuff and then when people started speaking it they were like speaking at the speed of light <laughs> i'm like oh my god I, I can't pick anything up this is crazy i must go back home it is crazy yeah so um but after a month of being um how do you say this now engrossed in japan i did realize that my poor japanese became not so poor still poor but um yeah so good luck with your yeah. your 2017 goals I, I i hope you'll travel more and share more um, on your YouTube Thank channel, you. etc. Um, I think yeah, your Japanese I mean, is is not so bad from when you used to make videos, but I guess you living there, you will be the better judge than me. 
but it's yeah. hard. No, seriously, it's hard living in Japan as an English teacher or in any English related uh, jobs that I do because then I only am able to use English. I don't speak Japanese. And as when it comes to working, I again, it's kind of like uh, when I don't like to, what am I trying to say? <laughs> when I go to banks or medical appointments, like I want to understand everything because it's important. So when it comes to working, I want to understand everything. So I speak English because that's what my job is in, is in English. Um, I had worked, in a bar once and I had to use Japanese. It was so hard, but it it helped a lot with my speaking and understanding. And that didn't last for that long. It lasted for a good year and a half, but I had to quit after I moved. So it was just like, I need to get over this anxiety of not understanding everything and just learn it. <laughs> yep. Then gross yourself with Japanese friends <laughs> and see how that works out. Thanks. All right. Um, you recently invited me to a Facebook group called yes. Black Creatives Japan. Um, what is the creative scene, creative scene like in your area of Japan? In Osaka, like, do you mean like with foreigners or with Japanese? Um, both, both really. Okay. Um, I guess with Japanese people, there there's like areas where you can kind of tell like, oh, this is creative. Like, look at this creative area. Like, <laughs> I think there's this place called Orange Street. That's what it's called, right? Or Horie in in Osaka, where it's kind of like kind of like Soho in New York. Have you been into Soho? Uh, I think so. I think so. Probably. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like artsy and stuff like that. So yep, a lot of you got, older buildings and stuff. Mm -hmm. You got like that creative scene and um, I actually got picked up to model one time because I was walking in that area. Ooh. It was so weird and bizarre, but it was like this artist and he had like an artistic sense of style. Like he like when I say artistic, it was like kind of like funky. It wasn't like it wasn't like fashion you would really, really wear. I don't know. I guess that's what you see in like fashion shows anyways. Like do, who really wears that? <laughs> So I did that job and also like a performance video for that artist. And that was like, I think 2012, 13. Um, but when it comes to like foreigners, I'm not really sure about the scene so much. That is why I made the group Black Creatives Japan. I mean, that one's more solely for Black creatives or art, the um, creative scene for Black people in Japan. But uh, for other foreigners, again, I'm not really sure. And I think maybe it's probably more popular in Tokyo. Yes, yes, Tokyo. But it's interesting that you've modeled, though. That's that's interesting to be like walking down the street and somebody be like, hey, can you model these weird clothes for me? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I mean, he, sure. he, he didn't approach me like that. He was like, hi, you know, I, you know what? I can't even remember how he approached me, but it was it was friendly. He just gave me his card. He's like, if you're interested, I have like this modeling gig. And because of how he approached me, I I agreed to it. It wasn't creepy at all. So how was his, um, his, his English? His English was not that great, but I could understand what he was trying to say. Okay. And at that time, also, my Japanese wasn't that great. So he was speaking more English to me. But uh, it's interesting because I got, how many, four prints? like two like long skinny prints and the other one is like smaller uh, because um, the clothes that I modeled were showcased in a, what is it called? Hunky department store for some time. Yeah. So they had like these um, prints out for the clothes as well. Um, and it is actually not my, my face is not shown. It's cut off, Okay. okay <laughs> but, okay. but my black skin and the clothes show. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So tell us, yeah. tell us more about the group, um, the Facebook group, and um, why you created it. Um, is it to get um, blacks who are creative in Japan together, you know? Pretty much. Um, I started the group because I, I felt like there should be a support group. I had joined this meetup group, like meetup.com group called... I forgot what it's called, but it was something like creatives with Osaka. And it's like, dang, I wish I had thought of this before. Like, I want to make a group like this. So after like a year or so, I was like, 
you know what? I'm going to still make a group, but I'm going to make it with black people. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but yeah, um, basically I wanted it to be more of like a support group and a networking group. And I had just initially made it for people living in Japan, but because like there's people who are more nomadic who come to Japan and then leave and then visit or leave, whatever. It's just like, okay, I'm going to open it up uh, more to anybody who's like interested in living, have visited, have lived, anything like that. Um, from like black people from the African diaspora. So it's like diaspora, I mean. Um, so it's kind of like hard when I get requests and it's just like, should I let this person in? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, it's kind of frustrating for me. Um, but for the most part, I allow people who are noticeably African looking. <laughs> <laughs> so if I meet someone who's mixed um, in person, I would invite them in. So it's not like exclusively only for like black people, dark skin, like fully can't be mixed kind of people. No, nah, it's not like that. But when it comes to just the internet, it's really hard to tell. And I don't necessarily message people like, oh, where are you from? What's your background? I just look at their picture and judge Can from I have there. A which DNA is... sample? Yeah, so <laughs> I don't do that. I just feel awkward asking. So it's like, um, I'm just going to look at your profile and to see like what kind of things you post, where you're from. Like you could be super light and look white to me. But if I see something that looks like, okay, yeah, maybe you're mixed, then I would. But it's kind of, it still kind of feels awkward for me. I just don't like that <laughs> that judgment. But this is what I do behind the scenes. And now it's out in the open because I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want it to be like, I don't know. It's just weird. I can't explain it. It's I, I understand. And I, I'm sure the listeners don't think you're some crazy racist person. It, the, the group is called Black Creative Japan. Right. You know? <laughs> so that alone explains what the rules are. Right. Uh, but other than that, the, the group is for creatives, so it could be anything. And is there for people to help, uh, to ask for help, get advice, maybe do collaborations, which some people have done already, and also showcase their skills if they have a business or any projects that they're doing and, like, get people to ask, like, how is it? So that is why I made the group. Yeah, I've I've been reading some of the back posts and participating in the few short weeks I've been a member, and it's 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 an awesome initiative. I'll I'm I'll be looking to to collaborate and and do stuff with members of the group. Um, maybe interviews, maybe YouTube collaborations, those type of things. I've seen musicians, um, authors, you know, bloggers, YouTubers, etc. There, so it's a nice wide mix and yeah i think it's a good little melting pot for people to bounce ideas off of and as you said support black yeah um, like anything you can collaborate like let's say this author needs some graphics like or mm -hmm. she's making a children's book this is like a real story actually okay. so this person i know i was like she made the story and she needed an illustrator um and she hired one of my friends so it's like because of this group that happens and it's like, I, I want that to happen. Like, there's, there's like, this, I guess, movement, I guess, like, black, like, the hashtag movements, black excellence and support black businesses. So it's like, I see that now on the internet a lot, especially in the US, and I believe UK and some other African countries. So it's like, well, we should make, like, a, a central hub in Japan because, like, there's a lot of us in Japan, but it's like, where can we connect so that's why like this i made this group so i can like get people to connect like there's other groups there's like this group called black professionals tokyo because like not everybody lives in tokyo and what do you consider a professional so it's like maybe if we make it a little bit more open with creatives and it could be anything any kind of creative then these creatives can work together and make their business or whatever project then it's easier to find in that group. Awesome. It's interesting, though. And I'll be a participating member going forward and looking to team up. Please, please. I need, I need the group to be a little bit more active for 500-plus members. Like, Start kicking people it? out. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
I can't do that. But I just want more people to like be a little bit more active. For 500 members, it's like the same like 20 people that <laughs> talk. Yeah, it's, it's usually. But I mean, more. that's only natural. Yep. So I see that you're a cat parent like me. Yay. Um, Percy is your roommate. Tell us about his personality and how he became your roommate. <laughs> My cat is now, I think, two and a half years old. I got him in the summer of 2015. Uh, he was, I guess, if I do the math right, he was four, four months old then. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I got him, he was four months old. And I got him in a bar. He was in a bar. He was a bar cat. He loved people. <laughs> he was just on the bar, just like chilling. Well, people are like listening to reggae and like drinking and loud and stuff. And he's just there chilling. <laughs> um, I was like, oh my God, Carrie. And I was like, picked him up. And I had my dreadlocks then. And he was like chewing on my dreadlocks. I'm like, <laughs> so I asked the owner because the owner um, was a friend of a friend. Um, well, I guess an acquaintance for me then. And I was like, oh, are you giving these kittens away? Because he has his main cat. And he's like, oh, if you want the cat, you can. Just please think about it. Like, because it's, you know, it's a cat. You know, it's a living thing. I'm like, okay, duh. (laughs) (laughs) I think after, like, maybe two or four days, I said, okay, I really want this cat. And he's like, all right, you can pick him up at this time. So it was like a week later. I picked him up. And I've had a cat before in the States. For a good maybe four years but that cat was already um big when i got it so it had its shots it, it was neutered it, and unfortunately it had uh his claws taken out uh, yeah that was not me that was not something i did so when i got percy um percy was a baby so i had to like really search online how to take care of a baby cat. Like, I don't know anything about this. I thought it was like, okay, just leave it alone. And it's just like, oh, it has to be potty trained. Yep. It has to, like, actually have these scratching posts because I didn't have a cat with claws, so I didn't know about scratching walls and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's how he became my roommate, and he's a lovely, lovely cat. Um, he's not really a... a people he's not really fond of people so much as he was when he was little but he doesn't swipe at people or he doesn't scratch anybody intentionally um and he can be carried and just like okay you're carrying me he's like like, why are you doing this to me but he doesn't like swipe he doesn't really do anything about it. He's just like, okay, I'm being carried. Or like, if he doesn't want to be carried too much from me, he would just try to get out. So I've gotten scratched a little bit before. If I don't cut his claws um, in a timely manner, I would get like kind of scratched because he's trying to run away. But other than that, like he doesn't intentionally try to scratch. So he's really nice. He's a nice cat. Oh, so he... Yeah, sounds like an interesting little guy. My my cat is... I got my cat about three months old or four months old as well. This is my second cat. Um, okay. Yeah, my cat is... What do you call it? No, an interesting personality. She's very moody, as most cats are, I guess. Well, <laughs> uh, oh, Percy's not moody. I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, my cat. One minute she's like, Oh my God, I, I want your attention. I want your attention. Play with me. Woo! next minute she's like dude leave me alone like (laughs) like, back up back up (laughs) you know but um cats are awesome i originally wanted a dog but i don't have the the space for a dog but a cat fit me perfectly um you have an instagram page for percy yes i do it's positions of percy I originally made that because he would make the funniest sleeping positions ever. Like the like for me the most interesting he did was when he was on his back and his four what do you call it the front paws like they would just be all out and he looked like he was like praying for Jesus like <laughs> look at Jesus. <laughs> And I was just like, oh my God, I have to take a picture. 
But he doesn't sleep like that anymore. He still does do funny um, positions, but yeah, I have a Instagram for my cat. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, I think we've had a good time talking to you, um, Ayana. Tell us where we can find you on social media and all that jazz. Okay, I wasn't prepared for this, but I mean, it's <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat with the same name it's yana underscore yz spelled y-a-n-a underscore y-z so it's a play on my name my full name but with my nickname which is yana wise but yz i'm gonna i'm gonna link those as well in the show notes so persons can just click and know where to find you so thanks again ayana for being on the ja podcast Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to episode six of the JA podcast. Thank you, Ayana, for being such an awesome guest. All the links related to this episode, including the questions I asked, Ayana, links to her social media profiles, and so much more will be in the show notes at jamaipanese.com as usual. Um, feel free to leave your comments there as well or tweet me at Jamaipanese on Twitter or leaving a comment on my Facebook page or sending me a message via contact at jamaipanese.com that's contact at j-a-m-a-i-p-a-n-e-s-e dot com I'm your host Kirk signing out thank you for listening